0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because
1: nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
0: now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Here's
3: some tips for maintaining your trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex
0: Composite Decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
3: The award-winning Crunch Time.
0: Those blue eyes are staring at the goals. Now at the football. This is why he came to Port Adelaide for moments like that! Oh, The Double cob, (laughs) And why wouldn't he? Port Adelaide are back in front. Martin came through, left it behind Bolton releases it goal side Lambert, Lambert, triple to three! He starts on the fence He arcs around He's kicked it magnificently Two last quarter goals From Kane Lambert The Tigers have made their move Peter Adams five goals for the season He's 25 metres out He must He does It's a long way from over. This will be one of the great preliminary final moments if Port can get it forward, but it's going Richmond's way. Lambert, the half forward, the mark taken by Cleary. They've got to race the clock. They're going to go like they never have before. The enemy is the clock, the half forward. The desperation, the lunge. It gets its toe forward, but as they have all night, the Tigers have got the right players in the right place. They take the mark. And they're off to another grand final. They have won the pandemic preliminary final to remember.
3: The significant achievement of just actually making it to the grand final, when we initially thought we we're going to be be up here for 30 days, have been up here 104, 105, whatever it may be, is it's an incredible achievement. You know, I couldn't be proud of the playing group. You know, what what poured through at us tonight was incredible as well. And you sit there and look at that game of footy, and it was just brutal the whole
1: way through. You know, guys throwing their, their bodies on the line and. You know, to come out on top against such a quality opposition was uh, was really pleasing for us. Richmond moves to the cusp of
2: the Dynasty Premiership, outlasting Port Adelaide in the most intense of preliminary final battles. The Tigers steal and know-how, carrying them to a third grand final in four years.
1: We learned a lot this year. We,
3: we said we were improving and we were coming and we didn't get to quite where we wanted to go, but we give it one hell of a shot and there should be proud of that I should learn from that there's lots of lessons you get this is what happens in in the game you you get these um these days where you get the harshest lessons and you know we but we know that's a we know every every freedom final you're going to have to stand up the whole way through and we didn't quite get there this week
2: cold lessons to be absorbed as port adelaide's wire to wire run comes up short of the finish line will the pain fuel kenny's boys for the future fights
0: the thing you can't get caught up in is the result and the prize at the end of it. you just got to focus on every minute of the game just doing the right things and then hopefully looking up at the end of the day and you've done enough of those moments right that you've, you're positive on the scoreboards. They're generally games that you have to fight to the death. So uh, we've just got to be ready for that and look forward to the opportunity. It's not something we fear.
1: You'd have to be a fool not to be aware of the stakes and the repercussions and the disappointment that we would all face if we don't get the job done. We're honoured to have that right, but it comes with a bit of pressure and I think the best way to face up to that is, is head on.
2: And will it be the Brisbane Lions or Geelong who complete the billing tonight at the Gabba? Plus North Melbourne's search for a new coach and the outpouring of sympathy and empathy for Rhys Shaw. This is Crunch Time. Richmond versus Who after a breathless night at Adelaide Oval. This is the preliminary final edition of Crunch Time for Clean Away, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. The Monopoly game at Maccas is back. Jared Waitley with you, Kane Corns is with me, Kane. It was a night for elevated heart rates. Has it settled? Have you come <laughs> down?
1: No, well, I I can't stop thinking about it, really. Couldn't sleep last night. And haven't we had some epic preliminary finals in the AFL over such a long period of time? But recently as well, usually there is often one that is a nail-biter and a heartbreaker for the team that loses it. And prior to the game last night, we reflected on prelim finals and, and what they mean and your emotions going in. And I said, you're so close, but you're so far from getting where you want to go. And that's what Port Adelaide would be feeling this morning. So close, but so far away from doing what they set out to achieve. And for Richmond to get there again was just an epic performance. And we'll speak about that as the morning goes on.
2: Where does your mind keep going to? So I had to, I was desperate to watch the last seven and a half minutes again this morning from the moment Latham's kicked the goal to understand exactly what happened
1: goes to the midfield i think and it goes to what broke down around the ball 16 to 4 clearances in the last quarter when that's been port adelaide's strength so how how can a a boke rockcliffe power pepper wines uh, a dual ruckman laddham's Lice at midfield get beaten that badly and smashed in one quarter of footy at home when you had fresh legs and playing in front of your home crowd so that would be the biggest disappointment for those proud players in there. And on the other hand, it's what's made Cochin such a great player. Martin thought Prestia had some moments, and didn't Nan Curvis have a massive game to stand up in the last quarter like he did? So that's what I thought would be the difference in the game coming in. The conditions even lended itself even more to that style of footy. But in the last quarter, in winning time, Richmond were too tough, too experienced, too hungry. And they, they showed Port Adelaide what great sides are made of.
2: Yep, they showed why they were the champs. So in their 16th week in the Hub, they'll go to the grand final and play on their 111th day. Displaced to Sam Edmund, this is the journey of
3: 2020. It's a monstrous journey, and Richmond will take it to the last day. Uh, g'day, Gerard. Hello, Kate Last man standing stuff, really, wasn't it? And how often do we say it? The best teams inevitably find a way. But... We'll talk about the game a lot today. It was magnificent. But for mine, guys, the AFL has two blights now. Malcolm, whom we love, and deliberate out-of-bounds, which we hate.
2: Yeah, I'm not having that, Sam. Make your case.
3: I thought it was on steroids, the rule, last night. I mean, when you have six in a game in a final with wet conditions, heavy rain at times, I think we can't call it deliberate out-of-bounds anymore either. I think it's got to be insufficient intent when you have a season where there's less than one per game on average and then you suddenly get six, uh, graded with me.
2: The, the game's not played in that manner though, Sam. That Last night was a territory game where the players were actually happy to kick it to the boundary, know they were going to give the footy up but take the territory. I watched the six back this morning. There are five that are absolutely right, including Hartlett. Heartless just bumped the ball straight over the boundary. Not only did he show insufficient intent to keep the ball, he showed no intent under any version of the rule that's deliberate out of bounds.
1: Could you argue, Jared, oh, that he was trying to get it to a teammate, though? That, no, because you... Rockcliffe never flinched. Rockcliffe
2: never flinched. He's in but, the vicinity, but, but Heartless, Heartless bangs it straight over the boundary. But
1: that's not Heartless' responsibility. He with, wasn't knocking how, into how Rockcliffe. Tom Rockcliffe reacts. He, he may not have been, but usually in that situation... The umpire would give you an out if you go to the boundary line and there is a teammate within half a meter of the ball. Is well, what that's, I would say. That's how
3: it's been. That's how yeah. it's been officiated this season. If a player is that close, there's a general benefit of the doubt given to the player under pressure, and it wasn't given last night.
2: So the, the rule is insufficient intent. It is we've lived under that for four or five years now. And there was only one, and it was against Richmond, the, the error, where it was Dion just pressed, yeah? away, yeah. And that, that, that shouldn't have been paid as deliberate, but they are in a groove. All of the others oh. are clearly deliberate. And, and in keeping with the way that it's been paid this year, it's just players chose to do it on a night that was wet with territory.
3: We might have to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs>
1: I think, and it wouldn't have mattered with the the Hartlett one, but we've spoken about this on the show before, it, the the last possession out of bounds just clears all of this up. We're, we're, we're confused about this. I know, Jared, you're not at the moment, but I think the last possession, if that goes out of bounds, a free kick, I know the AFL is looking at it and what they've done in the sample over here, that, that clears all the confusion out of those ones. It wouldn't have helped with Hartlett, of course, because the umpire still has to make a call on that one. But... If you kick it out of bounds and you're the last to touch it, automatic free kick. And it's not too different to what's being paid at the moment. In fact, it's not really different at all. It does clear up that confusion and that, that's something I'd at least like the AFL to trial if we get a pre-season.
2: I think the only reason this is contentious is because it was close in the last quarter of a prelim. I reckon if it happens in round four at the 10-minute mark of the first quarter, the entire football world goes, yeah, that's deliberate.
1: I don't well, I know it about was that. Volume, I think they it was could. the volume I, of them either way and either way the heart of the one if that wasn't paid everyone's saying yeah, that's the right call if it was so the AFL will come out and say that's the right call but equally if they didn't pay it they would have said that's the right call because Tom Rockliffe was in the vicinity that's that's the confusion thing that's the confusing thing for me if he didn't pay it and the AFL asked about it they'll say oh no that, that was the right call because Tom Rockliffe was half a meter away from the ball and you could argue he was trying to get it to him But it was paid, and now they'll say, no, that was the right call because it was his intention to go the boundary line. That's where I get frustrated. The AFL would never come out and admit they got the wrong call. Either way, whatever way it was paid.
3: Well, former umpire boss Peter Schwab last night on Twitter said the umpire had no idea. Jared Piers Hanley went as far to say it was the worst decision of the year in his tweet that he has since deleted. So it's certainly a talking point.
2: Yeah, he knocked it directly at a right angle to the boundary. That gets paid. So we'll all agree to have our differing views across the football world on that. The last seven minutes and 26 seconds, Kane. So Laddams kicks the goal that makes it a four-point game. And then this is it, is Port Adelaide work five front-half turnovers, which is their game, and they give up five intercept marks to Richmond. They were headless with the ball in that last... 7 minutes and 26 seconds. They Structurally behind the ball, they held up. But when they had the ball, the cir- they were overwhelmed. Gary Lyon used the word. They were overwhelmed by the circumstances. They chased the scoreboard desperately when there was still time. They couldn't get a single shot at goal in the last mm. 7 minutes and 26 seconds.
1: It broke down, and I think it broke down also because the forwards were working so hard to get out and and empty out of their forward 50 to defend when Richmond were going forward. And at times you look up and Richmond are having a shot. I think there was one point where Jack had a shot late from outside 50. Dixon's on the goal line. The amount of uh, coverage that he had to get, the amount of grass he had to cover was extraordinary, which meant that he couldn't get back and reset as a forward. And it just allowed Richmond to set up so cleverly behind the ball. And that's where the experience came in. And you're right, Port Adelaide did lose all composure. There was nothing different. They didn't, you know, try a, a kick along the ground that they've tried before against West Coast when McGovern's been dominant just to try and surge the ball forward at ground level. They kept bombing it in the same way over and over again. And they really did lose composure. And that that speaks to an inexperienced side and a side that was chasing the win rather than methodically working through it and making good decisions like they have done for most of the year. So, look, you go to the tape and there will be so many mistakes, I mean, from, from both sides really, but particularly from Port Adelaide because if you give them the amount of advantage on inside 50s before the game, you're playing at home in the week off, you just have to win that game. There's no excuse not to win that game, but they broke down in that last seven minutes as you explain. And Richmond's
2: system was was superb. It, it held up, so the intercept marks were short, broad, and curvus twice, and then Lynch at the end. There were there are two. If you've got the game, it's on Fox at the moment. It, there, there are two sort of symbolic moments. Three forty-eight left on the clock. Burn Jones works the front half turnover. He goes short to Boak. and Boke has nothing in his mind other than the goal square, where it's three on two against, and Flostone's the spare. But to his right is Robbie Gray totally unmarked with a free run at the 50 and in front of him is Amon who's got three or four metres on his opponent on the lead and Boat jams it deep and the ball comes straight back out and then at 2.52 left um, after Houston has effected a, a turnover, put it long to a pack, Cotchen gets the ball and every player on the ground is blasting it down the line and he takes a sidestep to his left. He puts Broad into space, Who puts Macintosh into space, they run it down, Revolt gets his shot at goal. So two grand veterans of the game, two peers, is Boak is chasing the scoreboard and Cotchen has the presence of mind to, to create a play and a play that results in a deliberate shot and a score.
1: Exactly right, and in big moments that they were just so well structured. And Port Adelaide, as I said, composure pressure got to them, and it gets to even the most experienced players. And you know, it wasn't really necessarily the young ones, although you could you could isolate some mistakes that were made as well. And we can we can look at the last quarter all we like as well. But you go back to the third quarter, and Travis Boke, you know, without picking on Boke, has a shot from forty meters out directly in front, doesn't score. We see a, a magnificent ground ball that Robbie Gray takes under significant physical pressure, handballs to Ryan Burton. He doesn't score from 15 metres out under not a lot of pressure. So we can look at the last seven minutes all we like, but we can go back and Xavier Dersma drops a chest mark. I mean, there's there's a number of mistakes that were made, and it wasn't. What are they? It wasn't if they didn't have any opportunities. They had opportunity after opportunity that they just couldn't capitalise on. And that's been, I mean, it's been a bit reflective of the season, hasn't it? Um, you know, sides that have made the most of their opportunities win clearly. And, and last night, Port Adelaide just wouldn't do it. And that'll keep Ken Hinckley awake for, for most of the summer, I would imagine. Dusted Martin's
2: performance, Sam, is... He is masterful in finals, as you can plot his course through 2017-18, where he was injured, 19 and 20. Um, not only Norm Smith medals, but Gary Ayres' medals. And uh, if, if he wasn't the best player on the ground, he was in the best two last night.
3: Absolutely. And you fast forward to this coming Saturday, Jarrett. If he wins a Norm Smith medal, he's third, then just clear the decks. Uh, he's there out on his own. He is Mr. Clutch. Uh, he delivered last night. Jeez, he was on his own a lot, though. You just want someone to go to him sometimes. If it's not a hardcore tagging role, and I don't want to wind you up too much here, Kane, but at least have someone minding him at times at stoppages. I mean, the amount of times he strolled around in space, just uh, you shake your head, don't you? And... We'll spend a lot of time talking about Richmond this week, Jared. And just an aside from Dustin Martin, obviously it'll be a third flag in four years. They just have that, we speak about system a lot, but that intangible belief, that collective inner confidence to do enough when it counts most. I always go back to that Brendan Gale interview on Footy Classified. Now, famous, of course, March 22nd, 2010, And the widespread scoffing that came after he said Richmond wanted to have three flags by 2020. He said it starts with a vision. That vision is one win from reality. Can you believe it? A decade ago and they're on target. It's it's pretty amazing, Kane, what what they have been able to build from, and it's
2: not like they hadn't had goes at trying to rebuild their once mighty club, uh, and they had ended in tears or they hadn't been able to see them through. But this vision is the one that's held, and it's had its moments where they might have wavered, but they didn't. They see it through, and they actually they're one of the the few teams in history who did who delivered on their plan.
1: No, oh, it's amazing to go back to round twenty three of two thousand and 16 and they lose by 113 points to sydney that, that, that's the last game and there's chaos there's carnage like if if you want to go back and look at a few tweets from the passionate richmond fans it was all sack cotch and it was all sack hardwick it was get rid of the lot but they held firm i mean they they cleared out the assistant coaches and rebuilt the footy department around damien hardwick and Gave him a shot to do that. Uh, there was board challenges. It was it was chaos. I mean, it was laughable, wasn't it? In the off season yeah. of 2016. So for them to hold firm and do what they did and turn it around so quickly with with some shrewd trading and a, you know some key players coming in, I think that's that's clear and and that does give you a fair bit of hope if you're a team outside of the aid or in and around the aid at the moment with some moves that you can make. But yeah, strong leadership backing your coach in. Um, and then building what is set to be a dynasty. I mean, you win you win three premierships in the space of four years. That's every bit of a dynasty, and not too many teams have done that. So it puts them in puts them in rare air.
2: So is Dustin Martin unstoppable, or does the competition choose not to try to stop him?
1: Well, don't get me wound up.
2: <laughs> no, I think now. I think this morning, uh, today is the day. C- can
1: I get wound up? Yeah. Yeah. Can I get so I, I sit back and I hear teams asked about Dustin Martin and whether it's Dustin Martin or whether it's Lockie Neal, but let's say it's Dustin Martin because he's the best finals player. Perhaps, you know, Luke Hodge is in the conversation and, you know, you know, maybe before my time, Lee Matthews and players like this, but he's as good a finals player as we've ever seen. And I hear the captain of Port Adelaide asked you in the week, what are you going to do with Dustin Martin? No, we're going to back our structure and it's worked for us all year and um, you know, we'll, we'll be aware of him, but I don't think we're a team that tags and, and we're not going to do that. Uh, okay. And I hear Chris Fagan do the same ahead of their first game against Richmond. Now, it works for Fagan because they win, but it didn't work because Martin had seven possessions in about the first five minutes and almost took the game away from them then. Why don't you set someone to him? I've seen DeBoer do it. He's not untaggable. It's just that no one wants to put the time the preparation, and take responsibility. And it's not easy to to go and sacrifice your game and play on a great player, and it takes a lot of preparation, takes a lot of commitment physically and mentally. You've got to concentrate for the whole time. And yes, he'll play some games with you. He'll go forward, he'll go midfield, he'll change up and go forward. But no one set themselves for Dustin Martin last night. And to look up and see Darcy Byrne-Jones on him in a one-on-one multiple times inside 50, is that the matchup you want, Ken? Like, is that... You've had two weeks to prepare for Dustin Martin, and that's the best you've got. Darcy Byrne-Jones, who weighs 77 kilograms, up against Dustin Martin, one-on-one inside 50. Best finals player we've ever seen. You've had two weeks to prepare for that, and that's the best you've got. And you get what you deserve. To use Ken's own term, they got what they deserved last night because they didn't put any time into Dustin Martin and go and watch the replay of his first goal, held up ball, not fast play, held up, had so many times to get the right matchup, whether it's Wines, who I would have put to him, or whether it's Jonas, who also is capable when he's forward, to go and put your arm across him and stop Dustin Martin. Nah, we don't. no one wants to take that responsibility. So if you're going to talk about things that cost them the game, the lack of preparation, the arrogance to back your system in and not even think about going to combat, the best finals player we've ever seen, that's what cost you the game. And and they can live with that and they can back their own systems in and people will call me a dinosaur saying taggers are extinct and all of that. Well, I would argue that not setting someone for Dustin Martin could cost you a premiership. And um, if you're happy to live with that, you're happy to, but it just drives me insane.
2: He kicked those two goals where you can say that he was on Byrne Jones probably at those stages and he set Lynch up for that first goal of the third quarter um, straight away. So in six goals to six is you can clearly credit three uh, without having to dig at all. And the fact that Kane Lambert kicked the two in the last quarter is pretty amazing as well. Um, we, as we were watching last night, Kane is Brad Ebert led Port Adelaide off. You could tell what was going on there, and thus it was confirmed in the aftermath. His final act on a footy field is going to be to go back fearlessly with the flight, given his history of head injuries, mm. and suffer in what all likelihood was a final concussion in his desperate efforts to win the game for his team.
1: Yeah, it's 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 an extraordinary performance, um, and you know, it's it, it's it's really almost touching to to talk about it because you know three minutes earlier he went back with the flight of the ball and took an intercept mark after Richmond won the centre bounce and he saved Port Adelaide there with no thought of his own safety. He wanted to go on. I get the feeling you know he's rated by Champion Data as an elite forward in the game. His form was good enough to go on, and he was wrestling with, do I put my health and my family first or do I go with my heart and keep playing because I'm still in good form I haven't won a premiership and I would love to do it he was going to make the call to retire I think about four weeks ago around the same time as Justin Westoff, but his form was really good so he held off on that now that decision's been taken out of his hands so now it is and Ken took that out of his hands I think last night and that is the right call for him to do that but if that's the way that you go out, it speaks to a player that has got every little ounce of themselves and the talent that they were given out of his body. So he can sleep easy at night knowing he maximised his potential. Not many AFL players can say that. And I'll just speak to his recruitment to Port Adelaide. Now, a a bit of a basket case, or were a basket case in every way when he came from West Coast to come back and continue the famous name at Port Adelaide. His training standards, his leadership, and his... Um, ability to deal with the tragedy of his best mate um, dying in, in Las Vegas. That was John McCarthy. Those two were as close as any two teammates I've seen. For him to deal with that and keep the group together through a really tough period was extraordinary. So his legacy uh, internally is is significant. Uh, what a way to go out. He wouldn't have played this week. There's no way they yep. would have risked him this week. So um, that's another subplot to, to that last night.
2: And on Port Adelaide, as we tidy up with them, the young. So the first quarter, Rosie, Dersmer and Butters were all just pivotal to, to the way that they played. It has dropped off a little, but his worth was shown. And sustainable. And in those three, and this is the whole reset, isn't it? And the answer feels like Yes.
1: Does doesn't it? Uh, but nothing's a given, and uh, you know I, I think and I, and Ken would understand that. And you can you know you can look at Melbourne as the best example of that. Now, most people thought Melbourne are on the right track, didn't they, Sam? In that uh, 2018 prelim and and tracking really nicely, but but whack. If, if you don't prepare, if you get ahead of yourself in any way, and you're not prepared to do the work, then there's other teams that are going to look to improve next year. But in terms of the way and the demographic, the way the, the club is set up, you know, they went to the draft again last year, a couple of young players, Williams and Bergman, who haven't played. You'd you think Marshall gets better. George Yardies is there. And the three that you've mentioned, with still a core group of youngish players like Houston and Burn Jones uh, in the forward line, in the back line, I should say, Um yeah, they're, they're, they've got all the pieces. I'd like to see them still be you know, reasonably aggressive in the trade period. I think a, a big key defender would be of priority and also some midfield support um, with the ageing midfield, Boat, Gray, um, Rockcliffe not getting any younger. So I still think there's some pieces that they can add and they say they've got salary cap room, but he's done a remarkable job and it's you know, most Port Adelaide people will be pretty proud of their performance this year.
2: Port Adelaide bow out. The first wire-to-wire team not to make it to grand final day. The six previous three won the flag. Three were runners-up. Port Adelaide have to settle for third. It's Richmond versus who? We'll preview the Cats and the Lions. You're listening to Crunch Time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. We gather between preliminary finals. Richmond at the Adelaide Oval last night overport by six points in one of the more intense preliminary finals you would ever witness. And then tonight at the of the Lions host Geelong for the right to meet next saturday night you're listening to crunch time for clean away Stockdard and lego and mcdonald's the monopoly game at maccas is back jared whatley Cane corns and sam edmund with you at five o'clock yesterday north melbourne released a statement to its members and thus informed the broader football community of a story that was well known behind the scenes that reese shaw the senior coach was on extended personal leave and had been since the season closed and with that came the realisation that he is unlikely to return to the senior coaching job Sam you'd researched the story across a couple of weeks and at the request of the club it it had been kept private while Reese dealt with his personal issues North Melbourne made it public and that that realisation which you brought to us last night has progressively dawned that his time coaching North is at an end
3: yeah, and just with that statement, you're right, and a lot of uh, members of the media are um, uh, choosing or um, uh, perhaps sensibly not reporting on this in any way, shape or form, given the sensitivity. And in fact, it took North Melbourne quite a while to find the right wording in that statement yesterday. Having said that, I think most parties, Jared uh, and Kane, somewhat relieved that it's out there now. Damien Hardwick calling him an incredible person, and um, people like him are great in the industry and both he and... Ken Hinckley wishing him a speedy recovery. And that the coaching fraternity will wrap its arms around Shaw. Make no mistake about that. But we mentioned it last night. uh, The realities and the machine-like nature of the game, Jared. it just keeps rolling on. And um, this is a side North Melbourne are, are coming from so far back, even before these issues came to light, in the sense that they've delisted their 11 players. They've sacked six coaches. They've got two stars up for trade. They are very much starting again now, they will do so, you'd say almost certainly without a senior coach as you say. Reese Shaw won't coach that club again. In fact, the wheels are in motion as we speak to find a new coach. Paul Roos will come on in a part time capacity. His first task will be sit on a panel that the club forms North Melbourne to find their new coach. Uh, he was well aware of the issues that Reese was facing. Exactly the same with John Blakey who comes down from Sydney as a very experienced assistant coach. He has got no interest in being the senior coach, but what a Stable hand and what a great recruit he will be off the field as well. So a bit like last year, 12 months ago exactly, it was at North Melbourne had a massive washing machine of um, player and staff turnover and Reeshaw had to do so much of the heavy lifting back then. Well, I think they're about to go into another trade and free agency and possibly draft period without a senior coach in place. Jared,
2: there are a lot of questions that this raises and some of them are for down the track and some of them are for. For people like Terry Wallace, who who we'll talk to tonight, and Terry had explored earlier in the season just the the nature of coaching as it is right now and the the toll around that. From from North Melbourne's perspective, Kane, is my mind's drawn to a few questions: Is how thoroughly did North Melbourne evaluate its its senior coaching candidate? They didn't run the process in the conventional way. It felt like they probably skipped a few steps. Did North Melbourne adequately support Reeshaw during this season? It's hard to make the case that they did. Their first move on the downsizing was to make redundant the defensive coach and the forward coach, which was a path that no other club had taken. The environment around the hub was tremendously challenging because as the season went on, it was really clear to staff members that they weren't going to be in employment with North Melbourne beyond the end of the season and then the same for players so as the losses mounted the despondency set in for players who well knew and and that came within the first 24 hours when 11 of them were was shown the door it it actually it was it, it's been a chat I don't think we fully understand the challenges of the hub and yet in North Melbourne's instance it would appear to have been wretched with all of those circumstances intertwining
1: uh, all of that that you, that you said, and so many questions need to be raised and answered by the club at the appropriate time. Now, I'm reading this morning that, you know, how much of a workaholic he was, Rishaw, really sure, to the point where the club had to tell him to pull back and take some time off. Did did they identify that prior to announcing him as senior coach? And almost the red flags, whether, you know, his personality was suited to being a coach right now. I mean, really young Coach, And that, and that's why I just think there's going to be um, more of a, a push to go with the Brett Ratten style coach more so than the young inexperienced. Now, in most clubs are different and they'll go their own way. But coaches that have had the experience and longevity in the game and have coached their own teams at whatever level, be it Sanford Waffle, VFL, um, and that have been in the system for a long time, I think are going to be more attractive to clubs now with with the latest examples you know even even a young player like a young coach like uh, Ben Rutten you know you you have your nerves about how he's going to cope with the massive pressure that's coming on the Essendon Football Club this year so yeah it's it's brutal isn't it and I just think that um, the coaches that have had the experience I'm seeing Michael Voss has been linked um, you would think coaches like that are going to really appeal to clubs looking for a new coach
2: how big's the next six weeks for North Kane, in trying to find their way?
1: Well, I, w- like, where do you start? So I think the, the first point is to get the coach that is going to be there, and and to make the, the brutal call on Reese whether you know, whether his time as senior coach is up. Now we all are assuming that's going to happen, but until you hear it from the club, man, it's a it's a bit of a big bridge to cross because you can't seriously attract players or even even go to the draft and and pick young players coming in I mean how would the parents of young recruits feel going to North Melbourne at the moment with no coach I mean who's looking after your son so that's the first thing the club needs to do is make a call on the coach announce it publicly and go with the coach that's going to be there and then you can start making the calls on the list and, and what you're going to do from there but I mean you were you were question, well you were um, rightly having a think about the long term future of the club and, and Tasmania will be in play again, Jared. Can can I get your thoughts on that? Because there's an undercurrent.
2: So I want to be really clear, this is not my view. That no. there is an undercurrent and it's been there all year around rationalizing the competition. So Jeff Kennett gave it voice in his um, in his manifesto which proposed Rigid financial measures, which, if they weren't met across a fixed period of time, would result in relegation, and relegation in this instance is expulsion. And then at the president's meeting, as Caroline Wilson said, on Footy Classified on Wednesday night, Andrew Pridham, right at the end of that meeting, and without it being flagged and without prompting, raised the notion of an independent review. And then Andrew was quoted in Caroline's piece this morning in The Age, referring to the South Melbourne scenario of 1982. And his quote concludes, you can stick your head in the sand and pretend that it's not an issue, or you can face up to scrutiny and accountability. So, and uh, Caroline's got a, a set of presidents who have come in behind Prim's call for an independent review. And there is a suspicion that it would be um, to to remodel the competition. Yes, there might be some talk around grassroots, and that, but mm. this is really about the financial state. I believe Jeff Kennett followed up that meeting with a message to his fellow presidents talking about hoping for a time when there were no assisted clubs, no need for assistance for clubs. And that sort of belies the business model. It belies the the foundation stone that is the, the finances of the competition. So this is the backdrop at which North Melbourne finds itself in its most parlous moment. So my question is, will there be as much tolerance for uh, the bottom-out five, six years down the bottom as Carlton has just gone through as there was... It was waiting for the Blues to come good. And I think if you read the mood from some presidents who are now bullshit enough to say it publicly without putting North Melbourne in the frame, the answer to it is there won't be a level of tolerance. As Pridham has said on the record, face up to scrutiny and accountability. That's where my worry for them comes from.
1: So the Tasmania link was initially a 19th licence, but you're saying that, that that's off, that's not happening. Um, there definitely
2: and, won't be a 19th licence. So there. Tasmania's push, and the Premier gave mm. voice to this just once, but I think this will become a strategic move along the way, is to offer safe harbour to the 18th team. Mm.
3: And yet, publicly, the AFL Commission, Jared, remains steadfast. It's oh, 18, in, 18, 18 in and
2: 18 out. And it will be. It will be 18 out because we come out of it next year, don't we, Sam? Yeah. So they'll yeah. live well, that mantra. Hope. Yeah. But I just want, so I don't think the AFL is particularly keen on the idea of an independent review. I, no. I think they've made that relatively clear as that meeting closed, but now there's this groundswell. And it's not every president. I don't think it's even a majority. But to hold an, to hold any sort of independent review at bay, it, it will be an interesting position to take. Mm. And if you do it, it's hard to imagine that the shape of the competition is not actually the heart of it. And that, as I say, there's, there's an undercurrent that's been there right through this COVID period of rationalisation. And it's the worst possible moment to be in such a parlous state.
3: Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree on all those things. And, and not all the full facts have come to light. And maybe they never will with North Melbourne and perhaps that, nor should they, but it is hurting them on the recruiting front at the moment. I'm not sure, Michael Voss, to answer the question for coaches, Jared. He's so keen on the position from the conversations that I've had. But I just wonder, Ross Lyon, good friends with Paul Ruse, of course. He's worth a call for sure.
2: Is it a good job to take, Kane? They are about to spend a serious period of time in Nowheresville.
1: Yeah, well, it's like starting from scratch with the Giants, but without all the advantages afforded to you, isn't it? I mean, that, that's what it is, uh, and, a, and a mess off the field. So it's, it's as tough a job as you're going to get. That, that's why I'm saying the coaching call has to be made because to attract a senior coach of the calibre that needs to go there, you need time. And you need, I would want a four year contract as a coach to go there, but you can't give a four year contract out if Reeshaw is still the coach. So this is the. This is the really hard and almost the elephant in the room, isn't it, with, with Reese? And uh, it goes without saying, we're so sympathetic, and his, his mental health is of most importance. But to move the club forward, you're going to have to get a great coach. And you're not going to get a great coach by saying, Well, you're coming in, but Reese is still the coach. He may come back, he may not. It, it's, it's just an absolute mess. Jared, right what watch a list, baptism. Sam. What a baptism
3: of fire just quickly it's been for someone like Brady Rawlings, who's come across in his first year as a general manager of football, and we're told he's resolute, he's locked in there, he's uh, unwavering, but what a baptism of fire it is for this man who has come from the most stable of environments in West Coast, back to the club he represented so well, and boy, it's blown up in his face as well. If you run it all the way through, as the
2: rationale around Ben Brown that was given was that he doesn't fit the game style, well, it will be a different game style under a different coach. And that sort of goes to, you have to get some sort of stability as quickly as possible uh, in a volatile scenario. The Tigers are flying right now. They're on their way back from Adelaide to Queensland, back into the hub where in their 16th week, it will culminate with an appearance in the grand final. They'll have packed their gear in their Samsonite business bags, Work from anywhere with a Samsonite, Tonight, business bag on crunch time we will view the cats and the lions next we'll take a look essendon have got a formal review that is coming and the adam Trelaw scenario which has caused great intrigue the longer that the week has gone this is crunch time for beaumont tiles exclusive bathroom packages from beaumont's foreground the lot and identifiber specializing in asbestos mold air quality and environmental services Kane, when you think about tonight at the Gabba, what's uh, where does it, where's your mind drawn? Oh,
1: my, I, I th- it's such an interesting contrast, isn't it? You've got Geelong, who their recent uh, performances in prelim finals since twenty eleven has been well, they've been on the wrong side. Is it the time where they have a breakthrough for the likes of you know Gary Ablett and Dangerfield and the storylines there, the Selwood Legacy grows, or is it? The young lions to upstage them. The language out of Chris Fagan's been almost uh, has intrigued me a little bit this week, almost to the point where he's not expecting his side to win, if that's fair. He sort of said, we'll, we'll see how we go." To paraphrase it, paraphrase him: If we're good enough, we're good enough. But in the end, we've overachieved this year. That that, that has interests in me. I would think they are in the box seat to win this game. Now, a week off. I know that didn't help Port Adelaide, but young side fresh legs, dynamic midfield who are flying and a really solid defence, and they're in good form. They're playing at home and have done all year. So I would have expected a bit more um, optimism out of Chris Fagan, but, um, yeah, I, I just hope for a cracking game.
2: Have you got a leaning
1: I think Brisbane, for me, I, I think you know their their small forwards are, are really going to challenge Geelong's ageing defenders. And um, Matthew Scarlett has spoken; he controls Geelong's defence how he likes the bigger bodies and the stronger defenders. With that comes, you know, a bit of a lack of leg speed back there. You know, Henry Collardjazni, Henderson, Taylor, you know, Stewart's not quick. So that, I, th- I think they can challenge them there. Brisbane with with Cameron, with Zorko, with Rayner, uh, and the youngsters they've got in that forward line will be a challenge for them, and the midfield is flying. So, look, I think Brisbane for me, but I said Port Adelaide last night. So, yeah, what do you think?
2: I can't wait for it. I'm going to (laughs) sit out of tipping I just can't wait for it. Sam, a couple of our rapid-fire questions for Rapid Tune. They'll keep you moving, rapidtune.com.au. Out of Essendon's board meeting on Thursday night comes... A review. So sad was the bellwether. This was the moment that, that has caused the questions to be asked.
3: A real cultural problem, I reckon, within the playing group this year, and this is where you get to the number of it, Jared. I mean, the coaching handover just hasn't worked. So you had players there. If the, if the tail was wagging the dog, it was in the sense that there were a collection of players there who just, what some teammates will tell you, did what they liked. They weren't willing to perform the role for the team. And in Ben Rutten now taking the reins and seeking to address this has been a massive part of it, and um, sometimes an uncomfortable part of it too. Now, the players that have left have all left for different reasons, but certainly Adam Sard's motivation was a real unhappiness with this, um, uh, I guess, unwillingness from some of his teammates to play the team role and some celebrated teammates at that too. So this has been, I think, the nub of it all for Essendon and getting to the bottom of it. They reckon they have now. Paul Brash, I like the sound of him. A review is a must. They're very confident they've got to the end of the exodus now and um, the lights of Zach Merritt are staying and we know they've made some key re-signings in their next generation of player now as well. But make no mistake, the smoke was there, the rumblings were there, but it just hasn't got to the point where players like Devon Smith, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody and the like have been willing to put in a trade request and some would argue, how could you not be unhappy with the season they had as well? That's what a new chairman should do, isn't it, Kane?
1: Yeah, particularly with the decisions that have been made there in recent times. So is it going to be a fully independent review? Is it going to be a club-driven review? I I get a little bit perplexed by club-driven reviews, um, similar to sort of what Adelaide had, where they say it's going to be independent, but the CEO sits in on it. So... What sort of review would be intriguing for me? Is it an outside consultant that's going to be completely removed from the club, that's going to conduct it and have a look at all the decisions that have been made? Or is it going to be run by Xavier Campbell and a new chairman? If, if that's the point, it's not worth it at all.
3: It sounds like the chairman's running it, isn't it, uh, Gerard? sounds it, like Paul's taking that ownership. Way.
1: It sounds like yep. he would conduct the, the interviews, interviews with
3: the
2: 30 relevant people. Mm -hmm. I I quite like that aspect of it. If you're the chairman coming to it, you would want a full understanding of exactly what's going on. Fresh face. Yeah, how that shapes things from there. And the most intriguing story of the week on the trade front that still clearly has a bit to play out is the Adam Trelaw scenario with Collingwood and whoever
3: else. Well, does it? I mean, that's an eminent uh, a question rather that only Collie can answer now, Jared. Because um, in the mind of Adam Trelaw, in the mind of his management, this is a done deal. He's staying. He's playing at Collie, where he's contracted and he signed his contract in good faith. And yet, the media chatter just has not abated. And uh, he sits at home pretty nervous and anxious about it all, like we discussed last night uh, pre-game. So. The ball's in Collingwood's court. Are they going to force it? Are they going to get in the trenches? Are they really going to roll their sleeves up here and force a trade-through for Adam Treloar, a contract that they entered into with him um, less than a year ago?
2: Can you remember a scenario where a club seemed to have such immediate and profound buyer's remorse over the contract that they framed and put to the player?
1: Oh, Brody Grundy would be up there, I reckon. Um, I'm not sure how they're reflecting on that seven-year deal that they gave him. It... it intrigues me that in looking at the timeline, signed a five-year deal coming from the Giants to Collingwood, signed another five-year deal at the end of 2019, and then what's four months later, they're ready to move him on. I've yep. never seen anything like it, if, if that's the timeline that's in my head. So, yeah, it's, it's a crazy situation. If you're, you're believing what you're reading, that they did want to move him on in the last trade period.
3: Oh, 100%, Kane. That's uh, beyond question. At least they explored it for a fair period of time. And Jared, they didn't publicise it either, which again no. is only a question they can answer. Now, whether that goes into the bracket of buyer's remorse, it's a heavily back-ended deal. It's a very good one, I'm told, from a player's perspective. Maybe that was part of it as well.
2: Amazing. I find that one absolutely mm. intriguing and quite removed from what we usually see. They'll keep you moving with their huge range of services book online at rapidtune.com.au. Have a great afternoon, lads. Thanks Go for much time. Thanks, guys. Cane Corns and Sam Edmund. Caulfield Cup, the Everest, and then tonight, the second of the prelims, the Cats and the Lions. Crunch time has been
0: for Beaumont Tyres. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tyre Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91
1: ...and for Identifier